Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. I have a really special guest joining us today. He is a front-of-house engineer and production manager. He has worked with the likes of Owl City, Christina Perry, Demi Lovato, Sia, St. Vincent, and Jai Wolf, among many others, Adam Jackson. How are you doing today, Adam? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on to the same show. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to have this conversation. It's been a couple of weeks. I took a break. <laughs> so I'm, I'm super excited and just doing that introduction. I'm really amped up right now. So really excited to jump into this conversation today. Thank you, man. <laughs> really quick, before I introduce the topics, you guys know how I like to do. I want to shout out to all the listeners in all 60 plus countries. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for continuing to like, share, subscribe, listen to the show, do all that great stuff to help elevate the same show platform. Uh, if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at same underscore show that's sane s-a-n-e underscore show and then you can find us on facebook the sane show again on facebook that's the sane show so today we're going to be talking about live audio engineering and then we're also going to have a conversation about the things we do to succeed following that we're going to have an interview with you adam so that the listeners can learn more about you the things you do and all the cool things that go along with that so let's go ahead and hop right into it with the first topic, live right. audio engineering. I have novice level experience doing this. And you know, like I mentioned to you in our prior conversation, I think when a lot of people think of an audio engineer, they think of the sound guy. And <laughs> it's a lot more to That's the derogatory that. term. <laughs> right i'm like they, they do much more than just connect the cables and you know make sure the mics and stuff are on like it's it's a whole entire process Especially i will when, i will i will say there is there is absolutely a difference between a audio engineer and a sound guy it's all it's like a common joke it's pretty funny it's some sound <laughs> some audio guys listening to this right now are going to be laughing Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would go to say I'm more of a sound guy <laughs> compared to oh, you. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, hey, man. It's all, to, each, to each their own. Right. <laughs> and so you guys carry a lot of responsibility in doing the work that you do. I, if, if you could, I, I would like for you to give the listeners, especially because we got a lot of people that listen to this that are concert goers and even myself that's gone to a concert, like I, you know, before really getting into this business, I never really thought about that guy that's positioned in the middle of the crowd at the soundboard. A lot of people don't really think about them. And I mean, really, because they're focused on the show anyway, and that's where you want their attention to be. But I just would like you to give them a little bit of insight as to who that person is, what their responsibility is, and you know, how big of an impact they have on the production. Like you said, it, it's, it's a lot of responsibility. It's something that, that is, honestly, it's an honor to be in the position. You're really in charge. You have a lasting impact on the quality of the show and specifically the, the quality of the audience. I think it's really important to kind of walk into every show with that headspace of you're kind of looking around before the show and, you know, I'm out there usually half an hour before the show, our, our, you know, the house lights go down and the show's getting going mm -hmm. and uh, you're kind of getting set. I try to take a moment to kind of look around and feel the vibe of the room and see how excited people are and all that stuff. And you're really, you're there to please them. In return, you're, what you're doing is you're 
gaining more and more respect from the band and the artist and all that stuff because a word obviously travels back and these days with social media and all this stuff and people taking videos and all that stuff it's like a it's like a joke to guys and girls in my in my position to uh you you tr- you watch these social media videos on these like blown out camera phones and you're like you're you're hoping and wishing your mix still sounds good and I'm always you know it's like it's funny when you're you're like wow this camera sounds awful but my mix sounds great so we're good we're good you know and you're like where was this guy standing in the in the pit right in front of the stage okay it's still you know or is this person in the balcony and it sounds good yeah. up there too or but honestly just really to answer your question like we are in charge from start to finish of everything that you're hearing as a concert goer and you're and you're standing there in the audience you got a beer or or whatever in your hand and you're just there to to have a good time you want to be able to close your eyes and hear what you want to hear and it's my responsibility to close my eyes too and be familiar with what is at my fingertips so to speak with you know the mixer and you're kind of this grand connection and to what is happening on stage and the energy of the band and you're you're just trying to like you know i've always considered myself completely not not in a selfish or big-headed way and you just have to kind of understand this if if you're hearing me is like i consider myself the fifth member of the band so to speak i consider myself another one of them i am constantly going up to the band after the show and each member and talking about this guitar amp and this setting and oh in sound check we tweaked this keyboard patch and and it like it really worked in the show and i'll sit with emily frost my uh, keyboard player and christina perry and we'll like literally sit there and hug and jump up and down like yeah it worked <laughs> and you can like feel and you're commiserating and you're feeling and then the next night you're going and trying different stuff and and the i i don't know there's something really special about me being so like with them and like we talk about like i i'm very close with the band and the artists and that's my thing and it's what I like doing because I'm a musician and I get it and I can talk to them in the way that they understand. And, and it, you know, and it, it's not this disconnected thing, but then the show starts and I am like, I'm, I'm a hundred plus feet out away from the stage and I'm very disconnected from them. But now I'm still trying to like bridge this middle gap between the audience and us and just have it just be this kick-ass rocking show and just have, just feel the room, constantly feeling the room, being, feeling the audience, just trying to, that's the goal. I mean, it doesn't always happen that way, but that's on the perfect nights. That's like, you're just like running on all cylinders and you know that every move you're making out there and every big reverb you do or delay send or any that the, you turn the kick drum and the snare up on this song. Cause it's just this like, just, just sick beat going on with the drummer. And you're just like, you're just totally vibing and I'm responsible for that. So it's awesome. It's just like a great feeling. There's bad nights too, but Hey, Everybody has bad nights and you try to not make them so bad, but you know, there's nights where things just don't go right. You just learn, you learn, but it's a, it's an honor to be in the position. And I'm super grateful to be just have the career that I've had with the artists. I tend to think that I work pretty hard for my artists because it's, it's truly you only get one chance. And some of these artists only get one tour sometimes to like prove that, that it's all right. So trying to make a good show, work with everybody. And that's the goal. Just a piece of the puzzle, though, at the end of the day, but very important nonetheless. Right. It's it's great that you talk about the experience because I know what I found very interesting is how you how you were explaining to me about the artists and them putting together their set list. And then, you know, you guys going through rehearsal yeah. and making sure that everything is in sync from the sound and the lighting and 
even the effects, you know, all of that kind of stuff. If if you could give us a little bit of insight into that process, you know, what go everything that goes into that, because I just think that's that's very cool. Because I never thought of it on that level, like how it's really in sync. I'm just thinking like, okay, we're gonna do this, and you guys just queue it up whatever night, like, and you might switch the colors or whatever. But it's really like, no, all of that stuff is planned down to the T, from my understanding and what you told me about this. Yeah, and I mean, I think what what most people might not know is that when a tour is getting planned, that plan, and I'm sure, you know, you've talked to Javier and, you know, obviously Lenny, you know, it's like that tour starts, the dialogue starts six months before we even hit the road. So there's a lot of discussion about if the tour is starting out because the artist released a record, we're starting from there as an idea. And depending on whatever artist it is, they're all different levels of involved you're covering bases where you look around and see that bases aren't covered. You're immediately a team. It's a team effort from the beginning. And how my team works with Javier and Lenny and, and those guys is we get everybody involved as early as possible. So that way, I think we were joking around before, like we'll just leave those moments available where we can have our serious discussions on the phone and our conference calls. And we talk about this and that, and here's this idea, here's that idea, or some of our best ideas that come from sitting at the table having sushi one night and someone just spitballs an idea that, that literally spins into a, a gem that a few months later we're doing our first show and we're doing a version of that thing that we were talking about. And it's just, it's really cool to, to be able to have those things come to fruition. That's the magic in, in the whole process is that you're starting from a little tiny nugget of information. Again, just the, the artist just recorded this record, the album's out or it's coming out. Usually, you know, we're, we're, when they're like about to finish the record, we're usually like starting to plan the tour because then it's after the record is like in production and it's being made and about to be released. It's still a month or two ish before, before things start rolling. So in that time, you're working out budgets and all this stuff and trying to look into what kind of gear we can rent, what kind of transportation we're in and this and that. But the whole other side of it is the once we're once we've got all those pieces locked in and we're now to the day where we're at day one of, you know, rehearsals, that is already structured. So, you know, like mostly most of the time we won't have the artist in the building playing music for the first like week, like mostly with like Sia and St. Vincent and Christina Perry and like all those like we plan out one, two, three weeks of rehearsal time. So those are structured where you're not starting like kind of balls to the wall from the beginning, you're building it. We need to build this show and then we need to work on just like the production elements for a few days, three, four, five days. And then we need to bring in the band and only work with the band. And And bands usually have music directors who is usually a member of the band who is kind of the leader who can start and stop the songs. And hey guys, we need to work on this part. Let's go back and we're and they're kind of the ones running the show on stage and so as a front of house engineer my main thing is i work with the music director always whether it's wayne miller my bass player and music director for christina perry or steve rodriguez for demi lovato or whoever it is uh, or annie clark with saint vincent who's just kind of her own music director everybody kind of has their own again those bases that need to be covered you're just there to like to be like dude i'm here let's let's do this like whatever you need and let's just let's just make this happen so that's its own journey before the tour or the first show even starts is like is such an intense journey all right we're back 
Now we're going to talk about things we do to succeed. I listened to your TED talk and it was pretty awesome. You offered up a lot of insight that I thought was great, especially thinking about what we discuss on this show in prior episodes, you know, from, you know, networking to uh, how to conduct yourself in this industry, especially, you know, that was a conversation Lenny and I had uh, on multiple occasions, actually, and also the things you need to do to succeed. And that was something that you really touched on because that was not really something we ever, I've ever really talked to anybody about on this show. And I, I found that interesting because it made me think, especially you were talking about in this business, it doesn't operate on normal hours, right? It's not like a nine to five. There's going to be times <laughs> no, sir. Your calls late at night, early in the morning, somebody needs your help and you, you never know what opportunity is going to present itself at the end of the day. And obviously listening to you tell your story and illustrate your journey, it just made me sit back and reflect because I've had those moments. Even when I was called and I didn't do anything, I was just there. <laughs> But I met people too. More often than not, there was something to be gained just being in the space, just being in the room and observing at the very least. Or how about, Uh, how about just being available? You know what I mean? Right. Like how about just being available? And it doesn't that you can take that however it means to you, but just like being there for someone about something being like, just being there is just means a lot to life and to people and all that stuff and those are the things that i've found as like a a success point in my life is like that's why i love when i start working for an artist you know julia michaels is another prime example she's a total sweetheart amazing wonderful female vocalist young who's a pop singer who's uh, amazing writer and writes for a bunch of people but like i kind of started with her a couple years ago with just doing She's kind of coming out as as her own artist and her own singer, and she was uh, very reserved, and that's no secret. I mean, that she's very she talks about that openly, but she was a very kind of a little bit timid and just and shy, and I don't think she really approved she really approved of herself at the beginning the way that I totally thought she deserved to, to be treated, you know, if if, she, if I were her. And I just kind of like I don't know, just kind of like Big Brother tried to put my wing around her and just like pull her in and just kind of be like, listen, dude, like this is what's up. And this is what, here's my little tidbit of how you can succeed, how we can do better. If you want to, whatever, just whatever tips I'd have, not only did it help her performances and help, help her with her confidence, but it grew our relationship as friends. And like, and you know, you just like gain this love for that person. And and it's, that happens with all the artists with, I feel like Sia and I have that same relationship too, where I just, I walk into the room these days and after almost five years of straight of being with her, it, I can f- tell that she immediately just kind of feels comfy, like seeing me there. That's something that you gain that trust over time because these people are putting, they're putting their careers in your hands. So being that kind of positive energy and, and uh, it really comes, it just goes so far. You're there because you, because you care and you want to be I, like, I, I want to be on every gig that I'm on, that's why I choose what I, what I do. And I stay with people when they're fantastic work. I work tirelessly. It's interesting. You talk about being available. Cause I mean, that ultimately what it is as you're talking and I'm listening, you know, some things were going through my mind. Cause I, I think about 
as I make my journey in this business and work my way up the ranks doing what I do, and I was having a conversation with my writer about this earlier as far as just how this this industry is, is the, the deeper you get into it, the more you become understanding of why it operates in certain ways in terms of like not being like people not being able to come in so quickly and just shoot up to the top right and why you have why is it so rigorous to to make it to certain levels and because like a lot of people put a lot into this right there's a lot riding on this stuff and i like to look at it as like you got to prove yourself right (laughs) like yes anybody can do this but this is hard work you know, you have to be really passionate about it. So when I think about like being available, like, yes, because it also speaks to reliability, right? Can I trust this guy? Is this someone that I can call on? <laughs> Should yeah. I need something? Like, I don't, it's the, it's the littlest of things. Like I literally told my team, I said, you know, we're going to deal with a lot of mess as we go up. I said, it's cool, but it makes us, but it, it, cause as I said a few episodes ago, I told somebody, I said, it's not about keeping people out of the business. It's about letting the right people in because yeah. you don't want to just work with anybody. Like, because <laughs> we work hard, we're passionate about what we do. And so we have to make sure we vet out the right people to make sure we're bringing in the right individuals that value this opportunity. It's just like Lenny says, what he was saying about, you know, it's a privilege. <laughs> it is. So, and, and you know what? When you don't, when you're that, I'll, I'll say to, I mean, Lenny Rogers is brilliant. I mean, the the guy is just just a bag of wisdom. He'll probably listen to this and thought I was going to say bag of something else, but I, uh, <laughs> he, uh, love you, Lenny. No, but seriously, I, the people that don't have that mindset of it is a privilege to be here. It's an honor to be here. It sounds cheesy, but like, I don't care. You don't understand. There are a lot of men and women out there and boys and girls that are trying to get your gig. Don't ever let that be the the devil on your shoulder. Like don't don't let ever let that go away because that's only that's only going to fuel that fire as you go along. Going to be like you know what? Again, in a non selfish way, I I have to remind myself every time I go and work with someone new that I have to meet and kind of you know you restart all this like the trust that you just mentioned, the vibe the, which is massive and and all these things. Like I have to remind myself that it is like you really only get one shot and it's such a small world out there that I found that like, you got to keep your image up. And I don't mean image, like, again, some self-centered way. I just mean like, if you're going to be a good person, just be a good person. And if you're going to be like this grumpy person who just like is there because somehow they fell into it, I wish you'd go away, (laughs) but like, (laughs) just know your, just know your role and know whatever. But there's people like me and Lenny and Javier and, Marco Gamboa and Chris Smith and, you know, Brooke Llewellyn and all these people, we get together and we can, we get these, we're all in charge of different departments. But when we get all of us at a round table and we are like, just firing on all cylinders, what if this, what if that, what if we tried this, what if we tried that? And we've been lucky enough to be in charge of a lot of productions where we can kind of take, you know, with all due respect, we can take some, a, a lot of the creative control ourselves and dictate it. So you know, you got a lot of power in your hands because you're making a lot of risks and a lot of money is at stake just on all angles. So the pressure's on and, and yeah, it's just a, it's, it's a really interesting kind of dynamic there. Yeah, for sure. That is very true. Yeah. 
right, now for the final segment, the interview going to ask you some questions so that the listeners can learn more about you and the things that you do and all the exciting things that go along with that. So I want to go ahead and fire off with this first question. You're passionate about what you do, as we've heard throughout this recording. What are a few things that keep you excited? I think just the the opportunity to go to all places around the world and and kind of bring when we're traveling and we're we're touring on it with a production with a with a show it's no different than a theatrical production it's gonna whether whatever theater it's in the set's gonna look the same so we're living on that rule to be able to take it all over the world and show people of, of all kinds what you're doing and to feel a very similar response of joy and happiness from all parties I don't know. There's uh, there's really nothing more special than that. It's like this universal language that that we're all speaking that that we all appreciate that doesn't really need much explanation if you just have an imagination. So you're always trying to bring that kind of that wonder and excitement and just that beauty. I mean, it's not so much like I want someone r- walking out of my shows. It's like, you know, all pumped up and like, yeah, let's go party. Like I want people <laughs> walking out being like, you know, that first St. Vincent tour when she was doing solo, her solo thing back in 2017, we had a very special show that was built grassroots from the ground up that all the, the artistic portions to just every every piece and to take that all over and to I mean we started that in Japan I mean our first show was in Tokyo at Summer Sonic Festival it's just a mind trip dude it's like you can't can't explain it like how do you you have this much power to do this to people and and be able to do this and at the end of the day we're just all a bunch of human beings like just making it happen A a mixture of like emotion and technology and all this just craziness and the chaos I was saying before, it just, it really breeds this beautiful thing. So, I mean, how do you not stay excited about that? If you're right. really into it. <laughs> it is tough. It's, it's, I will say too, like it, it is very tough. There's travel involved. There's all, you know, being away from my family. There's so many dark sides of, of that moon, but you really just find the best moments. And that, that is the stereotypical, like the 90 minutes, as I always say, which is the show to two hours, whatever it is, but that, that 90 minutes, it's like, it's all about. You could be having the worst day and just things are not working, whatever. But when that when that show starts and you're in the zone, it ain't about you anymore. Like, it's not about me. I want to just be enjoying it myself. I take a lot of pride in the fact I have been so I'm so grateful that I've been able to, to work with the artists that I have been because I've enjoyed every single one of them. I've done a lot of gigs with a lot of big and small artists, kind of one-off stuff. And it's like, ah, I'm not going to pursue this. This is not going to be my cup of tea. But the artists that I've, I'm grateful and, and proud to have worked with, they're into it. They're doing shows because they want to be doing shows. I'm not traveling 3,000 miles to, away from my family to fly to this one state to then fly somewhere else to to be in it to just like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's just like, right. what, what's that all about? But yeah, it's a passion. You got to enjoy it and you got to stay excited. You got to just, it shows, it shows when you're like living with all these people, they can tell if you're excited or if you're just like, get me out of here. So <laughs> really. Speaking of the fans, uh, you know, as a front of house audio engineer, how is it maintaining focus while being positioned in the middle of, of a crowd of noisy fans <laughs> and making sure that they're still engaged with the performance? Oh man. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, they're all animals, all of them. Uh, 
you know, like dodging beach balls or dodging like <laughs> beer cans flying through the audience uh, oh, over gosh. your like quarter million dollar audio console you got. Uh, no, no, I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> I have had shows like that. Trust me. I've worked with some punk rock acts. It, uh, it happens. But no, you're in control, man. I, I do truly think that myself and the, and the lighting operator, the lighting director, who is usually the, the person that's sitting behind me, they're usually kind of like up on a little riser and they're usually sitting at their console. There's a lot going on, moving parts. They're kind of focused. They've got headphones on with microphones. They talk to all the spotlight operators in the, in the building. And so all the spotlights you see flashing on stage, that person behind me is not only directing them and whose lights are going on who, every song and the whole song they are also controlling all the lights that are up there flashing on stage so between myself who's in charge of all the live sound that you're hearing and that person you know we are in control so we can set the mood however we want and if a show is just so flying on all cylinders usually like we did Lollapalooza with St. Vincent and it's just I mean I don't know how many tens of thousands of people were were there it's just just like it was firing on all cylinders just from the get-go, right from the start. It was like, the crowd was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Annie was so into it. Everybody was just ready to go. It was a great set. I got to a halfway point in that show, maybe even a little earlier. And I just remember turning to a couple friends who were with me out at front of house. I just was like, here we go. And I just kind of turned the whole mix up just a little bit, just a couple decibels. If you're not an audio person, just you go from like 13 to 14 on your receiver. But it's just, <laughs> it was just enough of like a energy boost that you could seriously, like I literally watched 50,000 people around me just all of a sudden just start like dancing even harder and just like vibing harder. And, and it was like, dude, holy, like, I just, you just can't explain that kind of power that's in your hands. I will say I've had moments. I just want to like throw this in here that I've had moments where things have gone terribly wrong. It's not your fault. It's just technology. I've had like the whole show kind of quit in the middle of a song, like the whole PA shuts off in front of a festival. Oh, I mean, again, no. it wasn't, it wasn't my equipment. So, you know, the, you're, there's a lot in the chain going down of like how all these things work. It could be power issues. It could be all... So you're always dealing with the stress of all of that while you're trying to like stay focused and stay emotional while you're, while you're mixing. But yeah, you're, you're trying to stay with it because again, I'll go back to what I said before. It's about the crowd and it's about the audience and, and what these people have paid to see. And you want them to walk out of there wanting to come back next time. That's the number one goal. If the artist wants that, if you feel that too, you got to be pretty proud of yourself to feel good about that. And don't let anybody ever make you feel ashamed of feeling that way I, I love when I'm just like literally sitting with the artist and, and we're both like as excited about stuff because we've worked really hard at the end of the day we're just emotional little children under underneath it all we're all very right. vulnerable and, <laughs> and it's a very vulnerable business no one wants to get back talked or talk crap about so stakes are high dude stakes are high 100 percent so during your TED talk uh, you mentioned that you study traditional music like many others in the industry, and I, I mean many others, I think everybody in the business that I've spoken to on this show was doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. Why do you think many people that study music with no intentions, again, very common, no intentions of going into the industry all of a sudden take that path? For me, it was like I was in a band all through high school and kind of after high school for a couple of years. 
we recorded a couple records at the most, the one before I went down to full sale and decided to study recording engineering, like the record that we were working on uh, six, eight months prior to me leaving for school. And after, you know, before I had decided I wanted to go and pursue this, you know, we were just in the studio every day. And I thought basically that like, I wasn't hearing what I really wanted to hear. And I thought that I, after watching this person and kind of studying what they did and all this stuff, I thought that I could, you know, I was like, I could probably do this better. I mean, you kind of think that way when you're a dumb 19 year old kid, you know, you're I just like, there. I could do this better. And <laughs> but of course, then I go to school and it's when we're like learning it and you're really diving in and you're, you're like, oh, okay, this is okay. <laughs> right. This is, this is hard work. But yeah, I, I grew up playing saxophone and, and um, I always joke, like my brother picked up a baseball glove and I picked up a saxophone. Like I, that's just kind of how, how it worked. And, but I had always like, since from a very young age, I was loved like the beach boys and, and all these things. And so I had an ear just period. I mean, like I, I just had the ear for what I was listening to. I knew I could deconstruct stuff and just like listen and sit there and listen to music at night. And just, I knew that all the parts and pieces I could hear all the specific, like I'd listened to green day dookie when it came out and I could, I'd listen to Trey's like hi-hat and his snare drum and just be like, Oh dude, wow. This like, this is intense. Like it's insane, but I can hear all the specific pieces. So I think, you know, the natural occurrence is I want to play music. You want to play in front of crowds. You want to like meet girls. You want to do, you know, you want to do that. And, but I was never, while I consider myself a, a decent musician, you know, I was not destined to be like a fluent player and, and really study. And then ultimately what join a band, a bigger band, or I teach lessons or all which are admirable, but I just didn't see myself doing that stuff. So I really wanted to go into the mixing thing and I, and the live sound thing, as I say, in my Ted talk, it really just kind of fell into my lap, but that goes into the whole kind of being available and, and eager and just doing it kind of vibe so i also think that i work with people that don't come from music at all that are that work side by side with me who you know some audio technicians who are the guys that are setting up all the pa and the speakers and tuning those and and pointing them in the right directions and they're doing all these very specific things of course it's way more complicated than that i'm just trying not to be too scientific about it but <laughs> you know they have an enormous uh, that's another person who i see on on the exact same level um, as someone like me, it's just the team effort of it, of it all. But people don't come from necessarily being a musician or whatever, but they love music. I, I like to think that people like that just never, maybe their parents were just not musicians. And of course, they they love art and they love whatever. So, but they just never pushed literally like even just to like giving the kid a clarinet in middle school and having them just like be in band. You know what I mean? Like it's sometimes they just never yeah. had that opportunity. So they didn't become a musician, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. Honestly, at the end of the day, dude, if you got a good idea and you're working hard and you're putting in the effort in a team, your voice is going to get heard. And you don't need to be ashamed of if you're a virtuoso, like the guy next to you or not. And that's one thing that I love about this business is everybody just, you know, as, as emotional as it gets sometimes, you know, like the, everybody just has respect. If you're just like, you're on the same wavelength and you're fighting for the same goal. I mean, it, I hate the saying of like, we're going to war together because we're not, <laughs> but like we're, <laughs> we are fighting for the same thing here. We will fight to the bitter end to get this thing just running on right. all cylinders. So if you have that kind of vibe and you're, and that's where you come from, then you'll succeed. Hopefully it's not a deterrent to a lot of people. I mean, it's, you know, that like, if you don't come from that, you can still, if you 
a lot of people aren't musicians that just have good ears. They don't even know it. You know, that's interesting right. too. So yeah, but that's so true. I'm grateful. I just picked the path. You know, I decided one day I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus less on performance and more on what's going on behind the scenes here and, and taking the other vantage point. So it's been, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so my last question to you, yeah. you know, as you continue getting more opportunities, uh, you know, the size of the venues had began to increase. And so how much more would you say is left to accomplish after putting on concerts in places like Madison Square Garden and even the Hollywood Bowl and in front of crowds as large as 90,000 fans? Well, what's, what's left for you to do? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I've probably mixed maybe four or five different artists at the Hollywood Bowl. I'll say that because you mentioned it. Every show that I do there, regardless of the fact that it's where I'm standing in the same place that I was the time before, it's a whole new experience. It's a whole new crowd. It's a whole new vibe, just a whole new thing. So, I mean, there's some veterans, friends that I have that have done these enormous venues for decades, hundreds of times, and you're still faced with the same challenges, whether it is 90,000 people or 200 people in the room, you're, you're still just like, it's still a struggle either way to just like make sure you're up to par with what you're, what you're trying to do. So to think of it that way, yeah, I'm here again and I'm playing to this amount of people again, but it's a whole new set of people and a whole new set of rules and a whole different time in the year. And there's so many variables that are always shifting. So, so yeah, you don't you lose that thing. And, and it's also cool to just literally like, Hey, if you're with the same artist and you're back on the next tour in that same city, and maybe you're playing that same venue, like, it's pretty cool. You're just bringing a new show and you're seeing a lot of the same kind of faces, so to speak. You know, there's something really cool in that. You're always just finding those bits and pieces. But I'll say, honestly, it's like, you know, I finally got to mix Gillette Stadium about five years ago. And I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know, 80, 80,000 or something like that. And I mean, you're just freaking out. I've done enough shows that I should not have to like worry too much about it these days. But like you're, you still, you still get that anxiety and kind of that feeling. So it, it's, it's great. It's like a great headspace to be in to just keep it positive all the time and enjoy what you're doing. So would it be fair to say that you've done it all just about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's still so much more to do, but I'll say I've done a lot and I've definitely checked off mm -hmm. a lot of lists on that bucket, I should say. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, every show is its own set of excitement. So there's really, I, I don't know, I, I don't mean to ruin the question, but like it's, I really guess I don't really look at it like this stream of, of kind of consciousness stream, you know, going throughout my career. Like, it's just like, if I'm literally about to mix a show on Saturday, I'm really focused about that show and in the moment. And you got to be just like in the moment, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the time, you got to just be in this thing in the moment, because the moment in the live game, which is like different than how I started in the studio game, you know, the, the live, there is no stop and rewind and, Oh, let's try that again you are given one chance and there's no postponing and there's no delaying and there's no anything like you have to go do it. So the pressure's on and you got to be ready for it. You got to be suited up, ready for battle for sure. I like that approach to it. You know, it's almost like an actor. A lot of people like, I don't, you know, I don't do it for Emmys or Oscars. I just do it cause I love it. Um, Truly. So I'm not thinking about the awards and all the accolades. So I, I, I certainly agree with you on that one. You have to just treat every show like it's your only opportunity to to impress because it could be the one bad show that somehow goes back to kind of bite you in the butt. You just you really yeah. have to enjoy the moment. So, yeah, 
that's so true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Straight but truth. I, I, I really, I really enjoyed having you on the same Thanks, show man. as a guest. It definitely was a pleasure. Very insightful. Couldn't think of a way to come back. <laughs> um, <laughs> a better way to come back. But yeah, like like I said, really enjoyed it. You're an awesome guy. Being on the same team as uh, Javier and Lenny, I expected nothing less of a great show anyway. So, you know, thank you, Absolutely. Adam, for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show today. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely going to want to have the Definitely want to have you back on the show uh, at <laughs> Anytime, some point man. in the future. Hey, we should do a joint. We should do a big group session one, one of these times. Tell stories. That's oh, uh, I'm sure we'd do that. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to you. I already thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to be a paid subscription, though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that that would that would be awesome. That would that would be so awesome. But yes, thank you again. Like I said, I truly appreciate thank you, man. it. It's an honor. I appreciate yes. it. Anytime, listeners. Be sure to continue listening, you know, liking, sharing, and subscribing. Uh, again, appreciate you guys. And you guys are listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.